That's all I have that I can think of at this time. So if you would, turn with me to uh, the book of Luke, the 23rd chapter. Let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. Luke, the 23rd chapter. I'm going to be reading uh, beginning verse 39, the 23rd chapter of Luke. Well, I'm going to say this before I get started. I forgot this. I, I don't know. I, I know most of you have already probably seen it or heard it, but the governor has extended the um, emergency order until the 31st of July. And so what that means is that uh, if you have any venue, you know, that uh, you can only put 25% of the people in there that is supposed to be there. And I want you to remember that, and I got to figuring out, and we uh, we have approximately 50 people come, and we, we can see 200 in here, so that would be just right for us. But, uh, you know, uh, we got to realize that this thing, and another thing is uh, something kind of, that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, uh, he, he sheltered people over 65 until the, 20, until the 15th day of July. So that means that uh, Rhonda and Sam and myself are probably supposed to be inside now. But we are inside. We're in the Lord's church. And, uh, but um, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what they did. And so this is, um, this is something that uh, everybody needs to think about because this is, this is happening right now. Anyway, 39th verse of, of the chapter 23 of Luke says, <clears throat> says in one of the malefactors, uh, some, some call it malefactors, uh, uh, some call it malefactors or something like that, but I call it malefactors. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other... Answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same con condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the, and the veil of the temple was rent in mist. And most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be in thy house today, Lord. And, and Lord, I pray that you, as I mentioned earlier, I pray that you'll turn this country back to the to, to the Lord and, and what he can do for us and 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 some of these some 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 things that's going on right now uh, is is the enemies. They're enemies of this country, Lord. And and I pray that Lord that whatever you do, Lord, I pray that you'll you'll do it at this time, Lord. I I, I don't like to see uh, things tore up and burned down and, and all this is going on in some of the major cities 
that's in America today. And Lord, I pray that you'll take care of those things. Lord, most of all, I pray today that you'll go with us and whatever, Lord, that uh, you have for us in store today, we pray that you will, uh, uh, you will give those things to us today, Lord. And I pray for each one here today. I pray, Lord, if there's any here that know not the Lord Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin, Lord, I pray that you'll save that person even here today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The title of my message this morning is Seeing Jesus for Who He Is. Seeing Jesus for Who He Is. Now, this wretched malefactor saw Jesus for who he was. He deserved to die for he was a thief. But God showed him who Jesus was. He, he was in the same shape all of us are in today. We deserve to die. We, we deserve to die and go to hell. because. But thankful to God, there was a day when God showed us who the Lord Jesus really is and showed us what we needed in that day. And I'm thankful for that. Fifty-three years ago, this past March, I'm thankful that God opened up my heart and showed me who Jesus really is. I had heard of Jesus. I had heard the story of Jesus when I was 10 years old. But, uh, but I, I didn't understand it until I was 22 years old. I'd already been in the military and, and got out and uh, from my active duty. And, uh, and God showed me who, who Jesus was. And so I just pray that the Lord will see fit uh, to show someone here today as he showed this, this, this thief that hanged there beside Jesus there on Golgotha's hill. He saw Jesus as a suffering Savior, not as a malefactor that the people around him saw Jesus. He really saw Jesus as a suffering Savior. You know, he told the other, one of them said, uh, if, if you're who you say you are, get us all down from this. But the other one said, uh, we deserve what we're getting, but this, this man doesn't deserve what he's getting. And he, he saw him as a suffering Savior rather than how that the other malefactor saw him. The people around him saw Jesus as the Sanhedrin saw him. When Pilate asked the people what wrong had Jesus done, the people cried out to Pilate. They answered and said unto him, If he were a malefactor, we would not have delivered. If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. So the people saw Jesus as a sinner. They saw Jesus as one who who was a who was a terrible a person, and and they saw Jesus as one who who was who was a sinner, just like the two that they hang one on each side of him. They saw Jesus the very same way. So certainly this is uh, this is what the people thought about Jesus. Uh, they um, he was carried away to be judged after after. Uh, Pilate turned him over to the people. He was called, he was turned, he was called, he was carried away to be judged. Now, let me ask him some questions this morning of myself in this message. Would I want anyone 
in this building to see Jesus as the Sanhedrin saw him. You know, the people, the, the generation saw him as, 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 as a terrible sinner. They saw him as an awful person. But would I want anybody in this building to see him as the Sanhedrin saw him? They judged him, and they sent him to his doom uh, there. And so it's a, it, it, I don't want you to see him like that. I want you to see him as a suffering Savior, as this uh, malefactor did, as he was there on hanging on Golgotha's hill. But would I want anyone in here in this building to see Jesus as the Sanhedrin saw him? Absolutely not. They saw him through darkened eyes as a deceiver. They thought he was a deceiver. Now, secondly, would I want you, I'm, I'm sorry, would I want the malefactor to see Jesus as the Roman soldiers saw him. You know, th there's a lot of people involved in this during this day. And, and, and would I want the malefactor to see Jesus as the Roman soldiers saw him? Absolutely not. These Roman soldiers saw him with blinded eyes. They saw him as an, uh, as an unfortunate victim. And, and they didn't necessarily want to do what they did, but they were bound to do it because they were... Roman soldiers, and they did exactly what they were commanded to do. But they, uh, they never quite understood what they were doing and, and how, how they were doing it. Would I, would I want this malefactor to see Jesus as Cephas saw him? Absolutely not. Cephas saw him as a blasphemer. He saw him, he was the head of the Sanhedrin court. He saw him as a blasphemer, as a matter of fact. If you read the scriptures, all through the scriptures, you'll find that he, uh, he prophesied. He prophesied this. He, he prophesied that Jesus would be the kid, that he, he was a king. And, but, but, uh, he, he's a lost man. But he never saw Jesus as a savior. He, he, he only saw Jesus as one that was trying to take the place of, of Herod as, as a king. Now, would I want the malefactor to see Jesus? Well, I said it's Cephas. So would I want the malefactor to see Jesus through the eyes of Pilate? Now, Pilate was, a, was the first one that Jesus talked to after they took him to be judged. Would I, would I want him to see? Absolutely not. Pilate, though he was amazed and very perplexed, he was amazed and very perplexed, saw him as an innocent man, but one that he cared not what he did, what they did with him. He, he said, I don't see anything wrong with him, but what did he do? He turned them over to the people that saw him as, as, as a terrible sinner, as one who, who, who deserved to die and to be crucified at this time as Romans crucified people. Would I want the malefactor to see him through the eyes of this own, his own church? Uh-oh. This is where the rooster, this is where the chickens come to roost. You know, would I want the malefactor to see him through the eyes of his own church? Absolutely not. Why do I say that? This, this thought comes home to roost, as I said. For they thought it was all ended, and it had been good to walk with him for three and one-third years. That's what his church thought about it. They thought, well, it was good as long as he was here. And he had, he had gathered them together, and he had taught them. 
He had taught them about the, that he, he was going to be crucified. He taught them, and he taught them what he was going to do, how he was going to be carried away to Golgotha's hill, and how he was going to be hanged on a tree there where, he, where he's going to die uh, there as a malefactor. He, he taught them, but yet when they came and got him, and when they came and got him, what did they do? They said, well, it was good. It was good that he, we were with him for those uh, uh, three, three and a third years. That was good, but what, what do you suppose they did? They, they did, uh, they thought that it ended at three and a third years, but as for them, they will move on, and maybe they will find another to follow. Maybe they'll find someone else like him. Now, is that any way for people to think? Is that, was that any way for his own church to think? You know, when, when, the, when the ladies came back and, and told them that he was gone, when they, when they went in the tomb, the, the stone was rolled back from the tomb, and they, and, and they went in, they, saw he, they went in and saw he was gone. They came back and they told the disciples that was his church. They came back and told his church he's not there anymore. They thought they were lying. They, they thought they wasn't telling the truth. They, they thought they were lying to them. After Jesus had taught them, you know, I, I just wonder today, you know, there's a time when Paul said that, uh, uh, that he just wondered about some of the people he taught. You know, today we preachers, sometimes we wonder about some of the people we've taught. You know, we, we wonder what, what, what are they doing? You know, what are they doing? Are they, uh, Paul warned young Timothy of the same thing. Paul young warned, uh, young Timothy, he said, preach a gospel. Be in season, out of season. In other words, just preach a gospel every opportunity you have. Preach, preach to the people every opportunity you have because when you stop preaching to them, what's going to happen? They're going to have itching ears and they're going to be start listening for something else. Well, I'm going to tell you folks, we went for almost a little over a month. When I came in here by myself and I preached to empty pews. I'm thankful Carmen came uh, every Sunday that I preached. She was here. And I'm thankful for that. Adam was here every Sunday that I preached. But what happens when when people can't come into the Lord's house and when they can't meet together, as a church can't meet together, what happens? They start looking for something else. Oh, they do. I seen it. I saw it. I told Rhonda. I said, Rhonda, it's happening. I said, it's happening right now. I said, our people are looking for something else. And, and, uh, and it's sad that, uh, that they do that, but they do. They start looking for something else and, you know, and I'm thankful today that we can come and meet together. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. I, I know that the governor said that uh, uh, people that was 65 and over, they wanted them to stay in the shelter and not come out. I'm, I'm willing to do that. And I'll tell you, it's worth dying to be able to preach to you folks. It's worth dying to be able to meet here with you. It is. It is. It's worth dying for me to do that. And I'm thankful to God that, uh, that, that he gives us that opportunity to do it. And, and certainly this is uh, something that uh, 
And this thought here is, is the main thought of this whole message. And that is what I want this malefactor to see Jesus as his own church saw him. They didn't listen to him. They didn't listen to what he was preaching to them. Most of them were, most of them were as, as, as illiterate as far as spiritual things was concerned as they were as, after Jesus preached to them for three and a third years. They was as illiterate as they were before he ever met them. Yeah, they were. Would I want Jesus to see, would I want this malefactor to see Jesus as his own church saw him? Certainly not. Because his own church thought it was all over. They thought it was finished. They, they never got, they never got a hold of the fact that he was going to die. I mean, there's one section there in the Bible where he said, he told them, he says, this temple, he said, this temple will be tore down. In three days, it'll be built back. They didn't know what he was referring to there. They didn't understand it. That's the reason that I learned years ago that when I want to preach something, I'm going to explain it to people, what I'm preaching and what it means, what it's all alike. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, you're more of a teacher than you are a preacher. I'm going to teach you what all these things mean. I'm going to, te- I'm going to teach you that you'll understand what we're talking about. When these things come, I, I, I want you to do that. <clears throat> but for them, as I said, they will move on and they will find another to follow exactly. That's exactly what people do today. Only, now listen to this, only the great Apostle Paul who said, who said when he was, uh, I'm sorry, who said that he was an apostle born out of time, stood up for him before Felix. He's the only one. He was the only one that stood up for him before Felix. Paul went before Felix. He was the governor, and he preached Jesus that had that had that they had killed to the point that Felix told Paul, "Go thy way for this time. When I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee." You know, Felix, you know why Felix called Paul in there? You know why Paul had to go before Felix? Felix was wanting money out of him. Felix was wanting him to bribe him and tell him, you let me go because Paul was about to lose his head. He was about to lose his head. And he wanted to bribe Felix. And Felix wanted him to bribe him when he, when he realized Paul wasn't going to bribe him. Paul was going to preach to him. He said, you come back at a more convenient season. He said, when I get ready to hear it again, I'll call you. Don't come back until I call you to come back. Boy, I tell you, you know, we, uh, uh, sometimes we wonder, you know, how often do people want to hear the gospel story? How often do people want to hear about Jesus? How often do people want to hear about the time that Jesus saved my soul? How often do you want to hear about the time that Jesus saved your soul? You know, I'm, I'm sitting in here right now, you know, about everybody in here, except maybe four or five. They were led to the Lord under my ministry, and I scripturally baptized them. Let me tell you, folks, I can sit here and tell you, 
I can tell you about Jim right there. We were we were meeting in Brother Kendall and Sister Deborah's house, and Jim came out of the garage and said, I want to talk to you. He looked at me and he said, I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, there's something wrong with me. And I said, you need Jesus. And Jim was saved as a result of that. There's others in here. There's others in here that came and said, you know, there's something wrong with me. There's something happening to me. I tell you, that's what's supposed to happen. Things are supposed to happen to you when the Lord saves you. You know, your life changes. Your life completely changes. From, from the very first time that you come and meet the Lord, your life starts changing. We're going, that's part of my last point for today. Your life starts changing. And I know from, from the time I was saved 53 years ago, this past March of 27, my life is changing every day. Every day, you know, the older I get, Brother Sam, you know, you know the song I want to sing all the time to myself, Precious Memories, oh, how they linger. There's many times I sit down and I think about my dad, my mom. I think about how poor we were. I know some of you may not realize this, but I want to tell you, we used to go out and play in the yard naked. Yeah, we did. We sure did. Mom wouldn't even put clothes on us. But we had to save our clothes for school. Had to save our clothes for school. And I, I start thinking about those precious memories, and I think about what the Lord has, has given me and how the Lord has blessed my heart. I was sitting there thinking the other day, you know, how the Lord has blessed my heart. The Lord has blessed me with some people I love. Lord has blessed me with a family I love. Most of my family's here today. Praise God, I the ones are down here, are here today. I want to tell you, I don't, I don't think he listens to this, but I don't care if he does. Y'all pray for my brother. I had the opportunity to talk with him some this week. He is just, he's, at, he's, he's against religion completely. He's against it. I asked him, I said, my brother's 74 years old. And I asked him, I said, how's your mind? And he started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing at? He said, well, who are you? Who am I talking to? He said, that's how good my mind is. He said, do I know you? And then he started laughing. Let, let me tell you, folks, you start thinking about those things, those precious memories, and the things that led you, led you to the Lord. You start thinking about those things. You start thinking about the day that the Lord saved you. You start thinking about the day the Lord called you to preach, which uh, this, this coming Sunday will be... Fifty-three years ago, God called me to preach. Not this Sunday, but this coming Sunday. First Sunday in May. First Lord's Day in May, Lord called me to preach. In 1967. Saved me in March 1967. Called me to preach in 1967 and gave me my first church in, in the first Sunday in August of 1967 in Illinois.
Now, you, 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 think, you think about those things. How, how could a person like me who ran around with no clothes to wear, no shoes to put on, with, with my dad and mom with no money, and you, you wonder how they fed you. And I was sitting eating the other day, and Rhonda had brought me some to eat, and I got to thinking about my blind brother. Mom would give him a plate, and he'd put his mouth on the plate, and he'd scoot his food in like this. He'd scoot his food toward his mouth. He knew where his mouth was, but he couldn't see. get to thinking about things like that. And if you're sitting here today and, and you're thinking more about where you're going to go after before I have to go back to school or where you're going to go before you have to go back to work or something like that, let me tell you, get that off your mind. Get it on your mind today that God saved your unworthy soul. There's not a one of you in here deserve to be saved. Start getting those things on your mind. You know, I guess I told Rhonda the other day, I said, Rhonda, I guess the next trip I take will be up. I'm not fit to take off and go on a long trip anymore. Remember, my brother-in-law was in the last stages of Alzheimer's. He was on his deathbed. He hadn't talked. He hadn't talked in weeks, if not months. He hadn't said a word to anybody. And I walked in there to the bed, and I laid my hand on his shoulder. His name, they called him Brownie. His name was Virgil Brown Webb. They called him Brownie. I said, Brownie, I said, uh, how you doing? He stuck that little hand up there. About to take that long trip. He was a preacher. You know, they walked over to Martin Luther. Some of the some of the priests there walked over to Martin Luther when Martin Luther was on his deathbed, wasn't talking to anybody. One of the monks walked over to him and tapped him on the shoulder. Martin Luther opened his eyes and he said, "I just want to tell you, Martin, the world hates you." And Martin turned over and he said, "I hate the world too." Don't, don't get concerned if this world don't love you. Don't get concerned that there's enemies out there. There's enemies. There's enemies out there that they want to keep this thing going. They want to keep us just like we are. They don't want us here meeting together. That's the enemies. That's the enemies are doing that. People that are drawn, trying to draw you away, trying to draw you away. Those are enemies. Those are your enemies. You just don't see it. 
you don't understand it. Lord himself said, he said, your greatest enemies are going to be those of your own household. Oh, I can't think about that. I can't think about that. I love all of my family. Well, why did the Lord say that? If he didn't mean it. Let me tell you, folks, would I want that malefactor to see Jesus as people now are seeing him? Absolutely not. I would not want him to see him as people now are seeing him. You want to really do something, I would love to be able to do it, but I never will get to. I would love to go right out in the middle of that bunch and start preaching. Oh, I know they would probably kill me, knock me down. It wouldn't take much now to do that. and It used to be pretty hard to do. But I know what they would do. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen at all. I pray that God will. You know, none of this, we, we were talking about none of the disciples stood up for him against the enemies of Christ. All some of those could do was wag their heads. Just wag their heads. Now, this is my last point today, or last thought today. I don't have points anymore. Would I want the malefactor to see Jesus as this mob saw him? Would we want, we want anybody to see Jesus as that mob sees him? That mob we're seeing every night on television? I'm getting sick of it myself. I told Ron the other day if they just bring one of them army machine guns in there like me and brother Sam know about. They just bring one of them in there and they could, they could end that thing no time. I'm serious about that, folks. But I don't want them to do that. I'd rather see the Lord save every one of them. Lord, I'd rather see him save every one of them. Would I want the malefactor to see Jesus as this mob saw him? Absolutely not. This wicked malefactor saw Jesus as the only way that he had of not going to where he belonged. And he called upon Jesus to save his unworthy soul. And he saved him. He saved him. That man never had opportunity to be scripturally baptized. That man never had opportunity to be in a church. Oh, I tell you, the Lord's going to take you to heaven, then you better, be, you better pray he takes you just like that right there. I tell you, I wish the Lord had taken me the day I was saved. I have seen a lot over the years. I think Neil killed a rattlesnake out of your driveway yesterday, didn't you? You know what Becky said? Becky said, I don't want to see it. But he said, I'll show you. Becky said, I don't want to see it. Well, there's a lot of things today I don't want to see. Lord left me here to see a lot of things. I'm glad my little baby girl came home. A lot of things make an old man glad. I'm glad to see you folks here. I sit up here 
I got up here 10 minutes after 10. I sat up here and waited. I just couldn't wait for to see people start coming through that door. What a great blessing it was. What do I believe this generation, or why, let me say this, why do I believe this generation will see the greater damnation? I just preached it to you. This generation is going to receive the greater damnation. They really are. Jesus spoke of that. Jesus spoke of a generation that was going to see a wicked generation that's going to see a, a greater damnation. He told those Pharisees, he said, you're a part of it. You're a part of it. Does this generation not know that when they really see Jesus, they will be like the harlot who saw Jesus with innocent eyes? This harlot, she saw Jesus with innocent eyes. What happened to her? She ran completely away from her, her trade. She gave it up right then. She was a, she, when Jesus saved her, she was a harlot no more. She looked at Jesus with innocent eyes. She saw a Jesus that's going to take her out of this trade and get rid of it. And it did. She ran and she ran away from it. And, and there's, there's other parts of this scripture that's not in the King James. I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying the King James is the best one out there today. I'm a King James only person. I believe that. But I do know that if you read Josephus and the history of the Jews, you know what this harlot did? She ran to her mother. She ran and she grabbed a hold of the knee of her mother and she bowed down. He said, Mom, I quit. You find that in Josephus' history. Ran to the knee of her mama, and she kneeled down at her mama and said, Mama, I'm quitting what I'm doing. Oh, you know that was a happy mama. You know that was a happy mama. Why does this generation think that when one is saved, that he or she can just go and sin all they want to. God help us. You can't do that. You've got to walk away from those sins. You've got to turn from those sins. You've got to turn to the Lord. It's not an easy life. These preachers that take people by the hand and they come up front and they tell them, well, you know, life's going to be a bed of roses for you from here on out. They're lying to them. Well, it's not. You're going to be attacked on every side. You're going to be attacked by everyone, every enemy that Satan can, can muster up for you. You're going to be attacked by them every day you live. All I can say is, in conclusion, is God help us. God help us. Lord, help us. Help us to be what we should be. I'm going to, if Reggie will come.